This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. From Flint to Philadelphia, from Hollywell to Hollywood. Rob Ryan Red is a brand new Wrexham AFC fans podcast by Nathan Salt and Richard Fay. Now, maybe you're well-versed in Wrexham history, or maybe you're new here, so here's a few things to jog your memory. Here is Vose. Great dribbling by Don Vose. And still, Vose, he gets past another. Oh, what a goal! Don Vose! One of the goals of the season. He has toyed with the defence there. And that is remarkable. The ball boys getting involved. Conor Jennings, the captain, Wrexham's top goal scorer. 13 for the season. 14! Wrexham lead! It's Wrexham 1! Chester now! It's McDonough for Wrexham! Still Jerry McDonough! It's Ben Carroll McDonough around the keeper! Wrexham! Wrexham! to the lead, ladies! If yesterday was a Black Friday, then today is a Red Saturday! Welcome to the latest episode of Rob Ryan Red, the Wrexham AFC podcast. I'm Rich Fay. It's a bumper edition today. We've got Nathan Salt over in Budapest for the F1. He'll be uh, joining us later on in the pod. First, we're going to go over to James Kelly, friend of the show, off out in Tamworth today. Not many people can say they want to spend a Saturday in Tamworth, but you're on a lucky few who got to go there, James. Phil Parkinson's first match in front of fans, the first Wrexham game with supporters since that nil-nil draw against Eastleigh. Tamworth, nil, Wrexham, five. It looked good on paper, but James, what was it like as an actual event? What was the atmosphere like at the ground and what was the performance like? Yeah, I mean, in terms of the performance, obviously... It's only a pre-season friendly, so you can't really read too much into it. I mean, Tamworth, what are they, two leagues below us? And with all due respect to them, it did kind of show. Um, I mean, the first two goals came within the opening 15 minutes. And the first 25 minutes was really all Wrexham. We, we were playing quite well, you know, and it was very obvious that we were the side from, from the, the higher league. And the second half of the first half, the last 20 minutes, was a bit slowed down I almost got the impression that the players or maybe even Phil Parkinson and the coaching staff sort of said look you know it's pre-season friendly you're 2-0 up there's there's no need to really kind of go and do anything silly Um, you know the fans have kind of got what they want I mean you you mentioned the atmosphere it was it was genuinely difficult trying to find a Tamworth shirt It, it was like playing where's Wally almost because there was just 
it was just all Wrexham. Um, I mean, I think the attendance was something like 1,100, and I think pretty much all of that was was genuinely Wrexham. That that isn't an exaggeration. All four sides of the ground. It was very very funny when when a sort of really small section of Tamworth fans did start singing. You can imagine some of the words and sort of chants that were going in their direction. But now, in terms of the actual game, as I say, it was very much a pre-season friendly in the sense that. You know, you look at it and say, well, we did play all right, but against that sort of opposition, you can't really read too much into it. But look, we've had an awful lot of negativity over the years and particularly over the last 18 months, more generally, football aside. So let's just be positive. People were able to get back into the stadium to watch Wrexham and that, I think, is is the main thing that we can take away from it. Yeah, of course. I mean, we had that first pre-season match, which was against Burnley under-23s. We lost that. All of us were following it on social media. But for any supporters who maybe aren't as clued up or if you need a reminder, so it was 5-0 to Wrexham. Tyler French scored just after 22 seconds. Ponticelli scored after 15 minutes. Then in the second half, we had a brace from Dior Angus and a goal from... I'm not sure which number trialist or letter trialist he is, but it's Chris Sang. That's you know, the elephant in the room. I mean, someone who was there, signed at the club anyway, has to sort of be kept on because he's on non-contract terms, so he's technically a trialist. But before we get onto those mystery men and we can uncover who they are and give a little bit of insight into those people who are on those sort of temporary deals at the club, James, what did you make of the new recruits? I mean, we were joking on our WhatsApp group beforehand that it was almost like a Gary Mills pre-season and it was almost difficult to identify who was who on the pitch anyway, and particularly because most of the players you have only seen on those sort of live streams last season. So of the players you've got to see in the flesh, who you're impressed by, both the people from last season and any new recruits this summer as well? I think in generally, Rich, I mean, as I said, nobody really, I would say, had a bad game. But then again, you can't really, as I say, judge it. But in in terms of performances, I think Max Cloweth looked very, very good in terms of, you know, he's obviously come through the Youth Academy and someone that we've seen, you know, once or twice. But he looked very, very comfortable. He looked didn't look out of place whatsoever. Um, Cameron Green had a very good game in the first half. Obviously, Tyler French scored. You can you can tell with Paul Mullin that he's just he's just got that something. I mean, his movement was was excellent. Obviously, as I say, I keep saying the opposition is something you can't really read too much into. But his movement per se was just you could see he was very lively. He was very sort of on the on the shoulder of the defender. He was looking to do things, and I think in general the the entire strike force. I mean, we kind of lined up in a sort of it was a kind of listed as a four three three, but then. When we didn't have the ball, it almost like Max Lowerth dropped sort of into the back, almost like a back five, and we just had two in midfield and then continued with the, the three up front. But what re- I really liked was that, I mean, sure, we'll get on to this, the sort of amount of strikers we have at the club was that the strike force was very, very fluid. It wasn't just a case of Mullin down the middle and then McElinden on one side, Ponticelli on the, on the other. Um, and even in the second half, when Sang came on and sort of Angus as well, it, it was very much players were moving around. Sort of Mullin was pulling onto the, the right hand side, and then you had Ponticelli coming inside. It, it was really, really nice to see because we've often had down the years of Rex, and I feel very, very static forward lines going forwards. And it was very nice to see people moving around. And it, it was almost kind of, yeah, it, it was very sort of refreshing to see that. I mean, in terms of people that I was impressed with, as I say. And Dior Angus obviously scored twice, but he really did look lively. You could tell it was almost as if he was sort of had a point to prove, obviously, with Mullin coming in before he was kind of, you know, the sort of the main striker, as it were, alongside Kwame Thomas. But he really looked as if he was hungry. 
Uh, in terms of trialists, I was I was impressed with Hope Akpan in the second half. Um, he looked very very powerful running from midfield. He he was kind of bombing into the box in a very impressive way. There was one moment in the second half where he was absolutely the speed to get into the box was ridiculous. Um, you looked at it and thought, Jesus, this guy is you know because he he really got into the box well. And in all fairness, he could have you know if the ball had been played played right over to him on the overlap, he could could well have scored. But as I say, in general, there wasn't any player that disappointed, but I think those were the, those were the ones that kind of stood out to me watching it. Yeah, that probably brings us to a nice place to actually sort of talk about those trialists, the five of them who are still at the club. And I guess we could bring Nathan now as well. He's listening in. He's in Budapest, as I said at the front of the podcast. Nathan, can you hear me? Yeah, Rich, I am here. It's. I mean, we've had some very much trial and error but now you can hear me all the way in Hungary um yeah I, I was actually trying to follow the race I, I'm at it's cover the Formula One I'm trying to do the race and also trying to check updates from Tamworth where I've been once before not the most glamorous of places I'm sure James can agree with that but it, which what was your really excited I went for the FA Cup and they played Darlington and the mail at the time were following every winner from the very very first round and so whoever won it was like winner stays on basically and Darlington won to get and they played Tamworth and I think Darlington went through on the day yeah they won they won on the day and then ended up playing Walsall I think maybe so Dean Keats Walsall Bradley Reed. Day, uh, first goal for Exeter. I, I was not. I was not there for the Bradley Reed debut. I mean, he seems to get shout outs on this pod semi semi regularly, which is quite yeah, interesting. It's the but, connection, uh, you know, former neighbor. Yeah. You've got to give it to him. But uh, no, back to Tamworth. I mean, after the Burnley under twenty threes game, which you know, given no one was there to see it, we only followed very few updates on the match centre, which is okay. I'm not a huge fan of the match centre. I'd rather just have updates on Twitter, to be honest. But this was this was a, a lot more like it. Parkinson, I, I watched his interview. He seemed pretty, you know, I think like James said, you can't read too much into Tamworth. But there will be teams at our level that are pretty naff as the season goes on. And we've just got to get used to being whoever it is in front of us. You know, we're not going to play Stockport or Notts County every single week. So we've got to get used to just getting off to these fast starts. And I was quite intrigued, actually. I, one of the things I did when I asked James was, was Tyler French playing a kind of a centre-back role? Was he in more of a midfield role? There seemed to be a bit of chatter that he was playing more of a midfield role, which is very interesting given that seems to be the area where they want a kind of defensive-minded player or they definitely want to strengthen based on the trialists that, that we'll debate in a moment. Yeah, no, I mean, I suppose the thing is with, with French, obviously he's very versatile. He can, he can play in a number of positions. I mean, I was debating with a few people there about whether or not you could almost play him at centre-back. Um, you know, that could be something we could look to do and sort of have him as more of kind of a pacey centre-back to cover for, um, you know, sort of other defenders. I mean, from my perspective, it was almost as if we were playing, it looked like we were playing a five at the back and then almost like a two in midfield, um, in the certainly in the first half um, of, of Davis and, and Jones. And then kind of, obviously, um, Cameron Green is very much a, a left wing back and then it was almost as if French was playing more like a right wing back in the first half from my perspective I mean you know as we know from the streams we've seen he's a very very busy player he, he moves around a lot and you know he, he's certainly not uncomfortable playing midfield but from my perspective it was more as if he was playing as a right wing back and was just kind of roaming around rather than he, he wasn't really in midfield from what I saw now. 
So, so, so from the players that were in midfield, you know, Rich as well, the players that were there in midfield, we're looking at David Jones as a trialist, Hope Akpan as a trialist. A new one today seemed to be, is it Dean Furman, formerly of Oldham? Is that right, Rich? I mean, you, I know you've kind of spoken to someone about Dean Furman. He seems to be uh, someone who's impressed today at Tamworth and, and is someone that I wouldn't be surprised if we're looking at maybe two two additions in midfield and so there's maybe three or four jockeying for those 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 positions that, that Parkinson wants in before the Oval game. Yeah, I, I think very much so. And I think that Parkinson, you know, he's made it clear that he wants these leaders and we everyone we've spoken to, and if you if you've not listened to maybe some of our previous podcasts, we've spoken to Zavon Hines who worked with him at Bradford, we spoke to Kem it who worked with him at, at Colchester and we've had insight from other fans and they've all said that having that sort of leader in midfield is, is, is crucial to, to Wrexham this season and having someone that Parkinson can rely on in the pitch to get his instructions across and as soon as I saw Dean Furman I saw that he was a former Oldham I sent a message to one of my colleagues at the MEN who was an Oldham season ticket holder and he said and I'll, I'll read out his WhatsApp messages now these are from Joe Bray who is like I said Oldham season ticket holder his whole life. He's now a Man City reporter at the Manchester Evening News. And he said that Dean Furman's very solid, can pass to someone wearing the same shirt, which it wasn't always a, a novelty at, at Oldham over the last few seasons. He said, I think he would boss them on league. Oldham offered him a contract, but he turned it down because apparently he was being offered peanuts by them. He would have him back at Oldham in a heartbeat. And he said that he was a captain you know, back then, but he's more of a player who led by example rather than shouting instructions so much, but he was someone who just got on with the job really, and he, he set those standards. Someone that could be relied upon. I think very much that's what Wrexham need. You know, I mean, we've spoken a, a lot about the attacking talent in in midfield. And I think you know against a team like Tamworth, maybe you don't need that anchor so much. But you know, like you've said, that there's going to be games where you have to get gritty next season. We're going to have to win ugly, and I think we're still lacking that. But the trialists do seem to to offer. You know, a solution to that to that issue. So, I guess ultimately, the question I'm going to ask James now is, which one of those trialists stood out the most for you? I think, in fairness, Rich, it was very much a case of I hate to keep saying it, but because of the opposition, there wasn't any one of them that I looked at and thought, you know, there's an issue here. Um, I mean, Chris Sang obviously scored, um, and he looked a lot more mobile than times I saw him last season. In terms of midfield, Dave Jones looked very, very solid. He was, you know, just sort of keeping things ticking over. And you can tell that he's got the experience of, you know, obviously playing in the Premier League for the likes of Wolves and Derby. So he's clearly somebody that I could see Parkinson wanting to bring in, even if he's, you know, not going to play every game. He's not going to be able to play two games a week, Saturday, Tuesday. But somebody who can just give you a little bit more kind of experience, just help some of the younger players and, like we're would, saying, be a leader. Would you say he's leader. almost in that sort of like Glenn Little mould? The fact that he's experienced, he's maybe not got legs, but he just makes everything look easy. You've, t- you've taken the words exactly out of my mouth. I mean, even down to the point that he's kind of, because it's weird, because I remember growing up when he was at Wolves and sort of things like that, he, he had a shaved head and he's almost as if he's kind of gone in the reverse way. And since he now has a load of hair, he, he's got quite sort of nice long locks. Um, but yeah, he, he very much always looked a bit like Glenn Little in, in the middle. Um, and I think... It's, it's a case of obviously, you know, I think, what is he now, like 35, 36, but in terms of just having someone who, like you say, doesn't maybe have the legs, but can just give you a little bit of nous in that middle of the park when, you know, the going does get a bit tough. Because obviously, you know, today's been a very easy, easy encounter, but we're not going to have, you know, every single game in the National League being like that. I mean, we all know that. Um, so I think he's very much somebody that we could we could see staying for the 
remainder of the season. In terms of the other two midfielders, um, I mean, I think especially Dean Furman, I mean, we're talking about somebody who I think he's got over 50 caps for South Africa. So he's certainly got a lot of pedigree again. He's obviously a couple of years younger. He looked he looked good in fairness. Um, I didn't expect him to be playing. I didn't know he was he was sort of in the squad. And, and then it kind of was a case of people were saying, well, you know, who is this guy? What, what trialist is this? We don't know who this is. Um, and he, he almost reminded me, the way I'll describe it, it was kind of like Joe Allen, but sort of with short hair. Obviously, it's a, it's a slightly different level, but in terms of the style of player, like he's not particularly large in stature. He's quite diminutive, but he was spraying the ball around nicely. He was, again, similar to Dave Jones, t- keeping things ticking over, but very much... Uh, I think those two probably are, more, I would say, more similar in terms of their style of play. Hope Akpan was a bit more... I certainly remember from when he was at Crawley and Reading, he was a bit more defensively-minded. So he, he's somebody, you know, he's obviously a lot larger, someone who's, who's going to put a tackle in. But he could he could also play. As I mentioned, he had that kind of overlapping run that stood out. And there was one ball in the second half where he, he got the ball in midfield and he played a beautiful crossfield pass to, I think it was to Hall Johnson on the right-hand side. And, you know, people were applauding. And as I say... The opposition is what I keep coming back to, but you could certainly see from all the players that they were very much, obviously, they've got to play for a contract, but they all looked impressive. Um, I think if I had to pick one out of the three midfielders, I would probably say Furman was the one that stood out to me most. But in fairness, as I say, I can't really criticise any of them. Um, And then in terms of terms of the uh, young lad on loan from... Oh, sorry, on loan. Uh, in terms of the young lad from, from Wolves, um, his name escapes me, but... Um, Connor Johnson. Looked, Connor Johnson, that's the one. He, he looked all right. He looked he looked assured. Uh, early on, there were two kind of... Uh, Town was number 11, was kind of giving him a little bit of grief and, you know, trying to sort of put a sort of niggly challenge in him. But he, he dealt with it well. Um, he dealt with it well. He, he looked assured. Uh, I can't think you can really read. I think I think defensively it's probably harder to read into because he really wasn't challenged. I mean, I, I said we, about how we dominated the game. I mean, Tamworth really. I can't remember Rob Layton having to make a save, or or indeed when Christian Dibble came on in the second half. It it really was it, from an attacking point of view from their side. It was very very poor. So I can't really remember any sort of shots of any note that he had to deal with. Uh, but he he looked on the ball. He looked all right. He, he was playing the ball around nicely he was he was passing it about and you know he, he looks solid enough so as I say I think in terms of the trialists they, they all can be pleased with themselves but obviously it remains to be seen from the sort of remaining pre-season games whether or not we're going to be seeing them sort of more regular and you know be able to actually use their names yeah exactly I mean I guess like I, I probably know a player I do give a lot of shouts out is Jimmy Troy and you know when he was our trialist <laughs> and everyone knew who he was but we weren't allowed to, to name him and I still don't quite know why the trialist thing's a thing but we can go into that in another podcast uh, Tuesday we'll be playing Fleetwood um, Parkinson's always said that Jake Hyde should play in that game lastly on the Tamworth game James um, in terms of the youngsters that we saw I know Max Clayworth got the uh, the assist that everyone's been going wild about on social media do you think he's got a real chance of sort of making it in, into the squad next season I mean you know we love a homegrown player everyone just needs to see what Jordan Davis has done you know last season just about how much we maybe take to them a bit more as well and they've got the real backing of the fans but the youngsters involved do you think that they've got a real chance or do you think it is just sort of giving the fans that bit of optimism where maybe they're still a, a bit far a bit far away from the first team 
I think definitely, yeah. Certainly in terms of if you're going to be talking squad players, which is no disrespect to him, but if you're talking about somebody to have as a spare centre-back and someone who can be vying for a first-team shirt, I see no reason why, why he can't be in that position. I, I honestly don't see the need to go out and sign you know, a sort of like a, a Callum Chambers, a, you know, a sort of go out and specifically sign a centre-back as we have done in the past to basically sit on the bench and come in with his injuries. When um, at the end of the day, you know, he looked he looked more than he looked more than solid. He he looked he looked fine. He looked assured on the ball. He was he was bringing the ball out of midfield, um, and he, he you know he, he looked he looked decent. Um, the assist, obviously, people are going going wild about. It, you know, it was very much a case. He got down the right hand side. He played the ball into the box, and um, the, the trouble is, there's too many goals. I should forget who scored off the sort of finish. Um, it was either Sang or Angus. I think it was Angus, wasn't it? But in terms of, yeah, he looked all right, and I think there's there's no reason why he can't he can't challenge. Um, I've, I've just realised well, I've made a massive error, um, and I've confused Callum Chambers with. I was about to say. Michael Chambers. Play we had the other year. Say, yeah, that's that's the Michael one, yeah. Chambers now. Yeah. He had his own song. I, I mean, how can oh, you forget? Yeah, in all fairness, I feel very embarrassed now. I'm almost as red as the shirt I'm wearing. Um, I, 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 I was no, about you... to say, I was about to say, James is uh, about to say. I was thinking, just think, sorry, thinking, has James turned his nose up at uh, an Arsenal defender? Or I mean, you know, <laughs> we are getting quite big. There is a caveat even, that so. this is maybe the first intoxicated podcast we've recorded. I mean, lots of us have been on on liquid today, haven't we? Just uh, sort of getting through, getting through the Saturday show. I think James has had a, a long trip from London to Tamworth and back, and you know. It, yeah, so I think I think he's allowed to forget the first name. Of he's he's, a, he's allowed to get Michael about. Chambers. Yeah, but one one of my questions was that I, that I saw from all the pictures was, have Wrexham had a bit of a discount on blonde hair dye or something? Because it seems like everyone has been just going under. I mean, Dan Jarvis has gone bleach blonde. I mean, Tyler French is already bleach blonde. Angus has gone under the kind of the dye bottle and Cameron Green's I mean, gone ginger, it, hasn't he? Has he? Uh, maybe he yeah, maybe yeah. he got it wrong. I don't know. In all fairness, actually, Dan um, Dan Jarvis is someone I want to to mention because in the second half, when he came on, he I really liked the look of him because obviously, you know, when he arrived from Stoke initially, I think we all kind of looked at him and thought there's a player in there, and I think most of us still believe there is a player in there. But at times last season, I think I think he looked a little bit a little bit nervous, but today he really looked like he wanted the ball, he, he wanted the ball to feet, he was playing the ball, looking forward for a pass, um, and mentioned there was in the second half sort of 4-2-3-1 so you kind of had Furman um, alongside Akpan and Furman was sitting and was sort of as I say making those occasional runs forwards and then Jarvis was more orchestrating things and then you had Sang kind of at the point of the attack and then Angus Angus on the other side um, on the side running off him so I think that's what's nice as well was it was a case of like I mentioned, there's different formations that we've seen today. It's not just been a case, right, going to play one system and that's it. It was a case of we were almost kind of, we went to plan B, even though we, we had no need to, which I think really shows a kind of tactical astuteness from Phil Parkinson. We haven't really seen, with, with all due respect to previous managers, you know, from the likes of sort of Dean Keats or Brian Hughes. I mean, I think we, we, <laughs> we don't really want to talk about sort of, you know, issues with them. Kind of, it got to a stage of, you knew that there was only one way to play and that was it. But today it was very much a case of, as I say, there were a few different sort of systems we were playing and a few different patterns of play we were trying. And overall, it was very encouraging. 
Yeah, like we said as well, I know that there were a few fears when Parkinson was appointed that it would be three five two long ball stuff, and you know that's what you get, and it's going to be ends just to find the means sort of to, to get ourselves promoted, and you know it might not be pretty at times, but it seems encouraging, particularly from the outside, that you know we've we've seen this this stylistic change and the fact that he is happy to use the players already at his disposal, and the fact you know we scored five goals, so if that's defensive management, I'll have more of it, please. Um, Something else we want to discuss as well, the captaincy. I know it doesn't matter too much, but it does feel like Parkinson's still weighing up who he wants to have that armband you know, next week. And Leighton wore it against Burnley. I believe we've seen Brisley, Jordan Davis and Reese Hall-Johnson also have it during pre-season. Anyone in particular, this is a question for both of you, maybe Nath will go to you for this one. Um, anyone that stands out for you as, as a captain in the squad currently, or do you still think that it's something that needs to be explored further with, with maybe an addition in the summer? I mean, I've had a social media about the pros and cons, personally, of where you want a captain. Linton, a lot of people are saying they don't want their goalkeeper. I think I'm James, I might have had this debate with saying, don't want a goalkeeper. I'm not against Linton having it. I really think at the minute, I'm starting to think now that Brisley could be the guy, or, or Davis, I'm starting to think could be one of those two. Not just because they've worn it so far, but I'm sceptical now that, that we're going to go out in the next two weeks or so, you know, three weeks before the game and, and go out and get a ready-made captain. I mean, Jones, if he comes in, you'd imagine at 36 with Premier League experience is 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 a potential shoe-in. But you know what? I'm starting to get on board with the idea of Jordan Davis getting it. Today, hearing Parkinson speak about him, saying, you know, he's a young player, but he's got really good leadership qualities. He obviously is homegrown and he knows the town. And he knows what it means to play for the club before you know, Hollywood sort of stamped its mark on, on us. So, you know, there'd be no there'd be no kind of player that would get more support as a captain than, than Jordan Davis at the club right now. Brisley, I'm not sure. Furman, again, these kind of players, maybe they're captains by example, as, as, as your friend who, who watches Oldham said, rather than sort of a vocal leader. And maybe that's the way it's going to go. We're not going to get this Sean Pearson type. Admittedly, there aren't many of them, Rich. Um, but yeah, I'd be interested to know what James thinks because, like I say, I, I wasn't lucky enough to watch them today. And again, I, I don't think there would have needed to be much ranting and raving against Tamworth. But I, I'd like to think that whoever is captain can now and again at least sort of get people by the scruff of the neck and say, right, lads, we've got to dig in now. This is, you know, back to the wall stuff. So while it's not going to be Sean Pearson, and, and that's still a loss for me, uh, him going to Grimsby. Yeah, we've got options. I'm starting to lean towards Davis personally. Yeah, in all, in all fairness, I, w- I would actually agree with you, Nath. I think, in all honesty, Davis today, obviously, like you say, there's no need to sort of shout and ball when you're playing Tamworth and you're sort of winning 2 0 after 15 minutes. But certainly from the perspective of, obviously, I think a lot of fans, myself included, have this kind of warped idea of sort of having homegrown players and having them as captain, it's all very nice and it's a nice narrative. But I think there's, there's more than a case to be made for Jordan Davis because alongside that, and you know, obviously the idea of he's come through the academy and he, he knows Wrexham as a town and what it means beyond just sort of going on the pitch for 90 minutes on a Saturday. I think it's also the fact we have to remember whilst he's you know yet to turn 23, I think he turns 23 sort of in August, he is somebody who obviously has gone away to Brighton, has kind of seen that the grass isn't greener and he's he's got experience. Yeah, OK, he didn't play at Brighton in terms of the first team, 
but he's got that experience of going to you know a professional setup and seeing how it works and sort of playing a decent level alongside players in, in Brighton's academy. And I feel like, I, I think I'm leaning towards him. I think in terms of other positions, as, as you said, Nath, I'm personally not particularly keen. I don't doubt Leighton's leadership abilities. I mean, even today, he, he was the one person who was shouting in terms of there was an incident where he kind of he kind of ended up in the back of the goal and he let the, the ref know what he thought about it. But I just feel... I don't know, maybe I'm too much of a football purist at times. I just feel a bit weird having a goalkeeper as the captain. I'd quite like it to be, I prefer it to be someone on the pitch who's you know, able to dictate things fluidly rather than kind of standing behind it all. But that's, that's just my personal opinion. I, I think if he does get it, I wouldn't be against it. I think Hall Johnson was more than more kind of just a case of necessity. It was kind of who'd you give it to. I think Brisley's a good shout as well, but obviously I've only ever seen him play once um, based off today. So I... I don't really know that much about him um, from before, but I think certainly he's obviously got experience. He's somebody that could be in there. I think when you get into sort of discussing the likes of, sort of Dave Jones or Dean Furman, I think particularly with Dave Jones, he's not someone that's going to play every single every single week. I think he, you know, he's not going to be able to play every game. And I feel like if if you're going to have a captain and you're going to make someone the captain, you want them to be on the pitch more often than not. You know, you don't want a situation where it kind of like we had a few years ago with Lee Fowler, where kind of he would be captain occasionally when he came back for that second spell, but he was very rarely on the pitch. And it then got to the stage where he almost kind of just fell away and he, he wasn't the captain. Then I think it almost passed over to sort of Connor Jennings. So I feel like you, you really want to give it to someone that is going to be on the pitch more often than not, rather than just giving it, as I say, to someone that isn't really going to be playing week in, week out. Yeah, I absolutely agree there, James. That again, I'm a purist as well. I think centre back or centre mid, you've got to give them the armband. And you know, I, like you said, I think the, the the play that Parkinson picks is going to be from his own judgment, both on and off the pitch. What he sees on the training ground, what he knows from the dressing room, etc. So I think we're all very much of the, the, the sort of belief that whoever he picks will be the right choice, just because it's who he's picked. So in a way, maybe it's good that there's not a standout candidate because it means he has got a, a difficult decision to make, and he's really got to evaluate the right reasons for, for doing so interesting maybe point for us to end on today before we maybe look at, at what lies ahead Parkinson did also say in the build to the Tamworth game that he was looking at you know still another five signings before we're at the level where we need to be competing for the league title and you know we've seen interviews this week I think that particularly the one from Ryan Reynolds where he said that it's promotion 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 that that he wants from Wrexham and you know, ultimately, that's that's what we've got this next season. I saw Paul Mullen as well speaking to the leader. He said that this season the ultimate get, aim is just to, to win the league. You know, that's the bare minimum, really. I think anything other than promotion will be seen as disappointment, particularly from the wider media who maybe won't read into the context. So the pressure's certainly on. There's got to be a lot of interest in how we get on. Um, five signings maybe for us to get to the league title if we if we're gonna you know match what maybe Notts and, and Stockport have I probably personally see them as as two teams that are gonna be the closest to us in terms of a challenge. What positions would you both go for in terms of those five signings? Um, I know it's quite a difficult one to evaluate, so maybe I'll throw it to Nathan first of all. I've sort of made my notes here. I mean, you can tell the people we've got on trial really in, in terms of the positions that Parkinson's looking at: centre mid, centre back. Maybe you'll know a striker, but Naif, off the top of your head, which positions do you think those five signings would be best coming into? I wouldn't go for any more strikers. I, I know that if you can go and get a Paul Mullin type, which is not easy for us to do, then then do it. But I think Dior Angus proved today that he's more than up to the job. 
you know, Ponticelli, I know it's Tamworth, but he may have kind of, you know, added impetus and is, is around better strikers now and will feel less pressure to play. I think he, he did himself no harm. I can't see us taking Chris Sang on personally. I thought it was interesting that Marsh Brown was actually named as a substitute today and yet against Burnley he was a trialist. So maybe there's a deal been agreed there. I, I'm looking at probably four. I think five's maybe a little bit optimistic. I'm probably looking at two centre mids and two central defenders. That's what I'd like. I think someone like Harry Lennon, who we haven't seen yet, is is going to struggle to play regularly just, just because of the, how fragile his body is. Devonte Redmond, we've not seen yet. It's not totally clear if he's been caught up in this kind of COVID self-isolation that, that I know has bogged down a few of the players. We've also got Jake Hyde, you know, coming back in attack and, and McAlinden and people like that. So I think if you can get two, two centre mids in, I think it'll be two of Furman, Akpan and Jones. I think they'll take two of those, probably Akpan, I think, and then one of Jones or Furman. And then two two central defenders, I think, whether Johnson's done enough. I mean, he's had two games now, probably get Fleetwood as well. And then, then a decision likely made there, probably be a cheap signing. I think those are the kind of areas because they're the ones where if he plays a three or a five, we're going to need lots of depth at centre-back, especially with Lennon and, and French, you know, being moved around all over the place. I think we're still a bit light there. And Cloworth, you know, we don't know if, if he's really going to get enough opportunities to impress, given it's, like you say, promotion or bust, is Parkinson really going to give the time to develop? Who knows? No one would blame him if he didn't. So central midfield-wise, again, you've got Luke Young, Devontae Redmond you want as an option, but we need a kind of bruiser. and a, you know, Look at the size of Akpan today. Look at the size of the team we're developing here now, Makalind and Akpan. It was like uh, kind, of, kind of like gladiators out there at times looking for some of the pitches. So... I'm looking at four if we can. If I'm getting greedy, so I'd say four or two of each. From gladiators, or yeah, I reckon so. Why not? I'd say why not? He'd, he'd probably look good in a Wrexham shirt, and we can kind of just bully teams. I reckon so. Yeah, it does seem to be going for that sort of beanpole approach, doesn't he, Phil Parkinson? He wants everyone to be maybe at least six foot. So sadly, that's me ruled out of a, a free transfer. James, in, in terms of yourself as well, of course, you've seen the team play. Which positions would you say still need strengthening? I mean, when I look at on on paper, I still think. Is that defensive sort of the centre back? Is that is that pool deep enough? Is that strong enough to be challenging for a league title? I'm still not quite sure. What about you? Well, I mean, I think from my perspective, Rich, I think I would kind of agree with what Nate's saying. I think certainly centre back is is where we really need to look at. I mean, I'm not discounting Harry Lennon at all. Again, I've I've never seen him play, but certainly from what I've been reading from South End fans and fans of other clubs that he's been at, it's very much a case that like Nath was saying, his body's very fragile, he's very, very injury-prone, and I'm not sure how much he's going to be able to play. I mean, obviously, if he's fit, it would appear, certainly from his pedigree, that he, he will be decent, but if you can't get him on the pitch, I mean, it kind of, it's a case of who have you already got? We've got Brisley, and then it's like, well, in terms of out-and-out centre-backs that have got professional experience, there isn't really anybody else there. So I think, I think Johnson personally... I, I don't. I wouldn't say it would be a risk because I don't think he'd be on a very large contract. But I think to base it off of two games against an under twenty three team and a team that are two leagues below us, I'm assuming he plays at Fleetwood as well. Obviously, that's behind closed doors. We're not going to be able to go and sort of watch it in the flesh. But I think he's somebody that we could potentially see see him coming in on a short term deal. Um, obviously, he's played under Phil Parkinson before. He was at Sunderland 
under 23s when when Parkinson was there, I think. But I, I'm not sure if he's going to be somebody that's going to be playing week in week out and signed as a kind of first team player. I think it would be more just a, taking a chance on him. I think, as I say, I would I would personally like to see two two centre backs come in with league experience who can compete with with Brisley and Len. And I think when you look at the other areas of the team, certainly in terms of fullbacks, you know we've got four quality fullbacks goalkeeper wise. You know, I mean, obviously, Kristen Dibble divides people, but I think if the odd game is missed by Lainton, you know, he's he's capable enough uh, with an asterisk next to it um, if we discount that filed game. Um, but then, obviously, going forwards of up the pitch, I don't think we're really going to be looking to play sort of four four two. It's going to be more four two three. So in that case, we're obviously going to need centre mids. I think we need someone certainly to replace Jay Harris. Obviously, he wasn't quite the same in his second spell as his first, but we need someone in that midfield. You can you know, put a tackle in and give us a bit of bite in there. I think I, I can see Akpan signing. I think based off what I saw today, you know, he's not just somebody that can you know be a bit of a shit house in midfield and put himself about. He's also got he can play as well, which I think is really really good to have at this level. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm slightly going to differ from Nath. I wouldn't be surprised if we actually took on board Jones and also Furman because I think just in terms of experience and obviously money isn't an issue now I think you know as a rotational option having those three trialists plus Young and Redmond in midfield obviously Jarvis as well but you know I think that would give us enough depth there and then in terms of strikers I mean god almighty we don't need we don't need any more I mean at this rate we could almost feel, feel a team of strikers um, I certainly don't think Chris Sang will be signed and if if as we said, Marsh Brown it has signed and that's the reason he was listed today as his name rather than trialist, whatever, then, you know, that's another attacking option that means that it's, it's even less likely he will sign. But yeah, as I say, overall, I think two to three midfielders for me and I would say two centre-backs and I think I'd be happy that that squad can challenge for the league title. It's down to you, Phil Parkinson. You know, have to wait and see what, what the week ahead holds for us. And of course, we said there's that game against Fleetwood behind closed doors on Tuesday and it's spending more uh, away a week today, although we're not sure when this podcast will be out, but that's a week after this last game for, for Wrexham against uh, Tamworth, so that's the 7th of August. Um, I guess the final business, uh, AEC Engineering have posted those pictures on Twitter, the cop finally being uh, regenerated, rejuvenated, the barriers are down. A sad sight, but it's been quite a sad sight now for about a decade or so, hasn't it, the cop? Um, it's one of those things where we keep on saying we want to see rejuvenation in the stadium, and then when it happens, we get quite nostalgic that it's uh, it's actually happening. It's a sad sight, but for the best, and I guess that short-term loss of the crash barrier should be for the long-term gain, and another step forward, Nathan, in, in terms of, of what the of what Rob and Ryan are doing, really. The fact that they're trying to rejuvenate Wrexham, not just as a football club, but as a town, make the stadium you know, up to those standards where they can host international matches, who knows what else they can host in, in the years to come, but cop redevelopment long overdue. Yeah, I mean, they, they've clearly decided that the stadium is something they really want to work on. The fact that, you know, the Rex rent, the tech end, as I call it, it is, is out of action for the first two games sort of shows how seriously they're taking it. You know, they're, they're not just trying to rush through it um, and I know they've been, you know, Humphrey's been sort of talking about updates to the stadium in his columns in recent weeks. I think, you know, the tech end will get done. The cop is clearly, I'd be fascinated to see what, what, what they make the cop into, you know, kind of what kind of stand we get there. Um, that, that'll be fascinating. And 
and it will always have that nostalgia for certain fans. I mean, I admittedly had never really got that true cop experience. I never really got to go on there and and really bask in in the kind of the atmosphere and everything like that. So for me and and fans younger than me, that they've often just looked at the cop and. And look, there is a bit of a kind of a, a sorry sight, really. A shame that, you know, that fans weren't able to stand on there and it was just kind of empty behind the goal. And I always thought that, you know, I was always wishing that Wrexham would attack the the Rex rent end often in games because, you know, that kind of support behind there was is, is kind of such a, a cliche, but it's such a kind of 12th man and, and, and it's such a good atmosphere, probably one of the better atmospheres in the, in the stadium. So... Yeah, I mean, it, it, interesting to see the cop. I know they're selling the barriers, and I'm sure they'll they'll sell out, um, and and people will be all over that kind of nostalgia. But yeah, Robin Ryan, what was it Ryan said in his in his recent interview did with the Telegraph? He said that buying Wrexham was no joke, and I mean, who'd argue with it? They they clearly have a plan, and and they're executing that plan. A lot of that involves the stadium, and and you know, phase one of that was getting the boards in, the advertising boards. We've got those. And and it will just become even slicker, you know. We'll just get a stadium that both they, the, the the chairman, and we can be proud of. You know, they're not going to strip out. The hope is that they just don't rip out, rip, you know, rip the soul out of what is a kind of a bit old and battered. But you know, it's our stadium, isn't it? It's the racecourse, the Kairas, and we go there. And yeah, it it probably needs a lick of paint. And I'm moaning about the seats being redone, but there's just a charm to it that you don't want it to become. Personally, I don't want it to become super new and shiny and glossy. That's just me. I kind of like the the roughness to it and the, the you know the kind of the the worn on 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 the kiosk. That's just me. Maybe I'm getting a bit nostalgic now. Yeah, I think you're spot on there. Now, if you know, there's some things they can change, but that heart's always got to be the same, isn't it? We can have different cosmetics, be dressed differently, but we're still the same Wrexham, you know, to the to the heart and soul. And I think that's what what's been so refreshing. You know, that's what many people have seen and how good it is now for us to finally have that connection between the new sort of era of Wrexham and those fans and to finally see such a good Red Army following at, at Tamworth today. James, you are one of them. Thank you very much for joining us on Rob Ryan Red today. That's, that's no problem. And thank you, very mu- thank you very much, Nate, for braving the Hungarian internet and joining us on this impromptu record as well. No worries, and as always, Rich, I'm going to save you the job, and I'm going to say, if you want to email us, please do so, robbryanred at gmail.com, and if you want to tweet us, lots of interaction, we put loads of James stuff out on Twitter, it's at robbryanred, and just do get in touch, follow us on Spotify, follow us on Apple, leave us a review, it does help a lot, and it's really helping the podcast grow. Our last episode, Rich, far and away, the most listened to pod we've had, so things are, things are looking up for us and for Wrexham. They are looking up, and yeah, that leaves us on a nice note. Wrexham have finally got their first win under Phil Parkinson. Many more to come, we hope. We'll be there every step of the way. Take care, enjoy the rest of the week. The Reds are coming. It's the 90th minute. All your mates are around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.